Veni, 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 os, ne memori facias. Hi everyone, welcome back to Waddle Folklore. <laughs> Estwans interis ira vehementi. Making sense of senseless tales. Dilly dally shilly shally. Dilly dally shilly shally. Hey everybody, it's me, your crime weaver Tyler. And it's me, tied to a chair, Carmen. And your airship captain, Picardo Highwind. Though I'm looking for a new name here. It has, you've won that one for a while, so. I have terrible news. Great, my favorite kind. Actually, I have very good news for you, Picardo. Oh? You have a little brother. Aw, awesome. He smokes like a chimney and he knows all the best cusses. Yep, sounds like my sibling. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for another Final Fantasy. Hell yeah. Is this the last one? For sure this time. I've I've heard that before. Every time you ask him that question, another one gets made. And honestly, I think he's making these because they sound like the machinations of a deranged mind. So the thing is that this one is probably the most popular one. And as with all most popular things, it's where it immediately ends. (laughs) They never decide to follow up on the most popular thing. Yeah, no, I watched Firefly. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's still too soon for some folks. Uh, So I've been trying to keep a secret from you all. I mean, I'm proud of you. Commendable. A dark shadow has been looming over us since Final Fantasy V. I'd know that. I was going to ask you about it, but I figured, Uh you know, we had Terminex coming and they might take care of it. Well, his name is Tetsuya Nomura. Okie dokie. Now, is that like included in a basic plan or do you have to to upgrade to get rid of that? Oh, you got to upgrade. Damn it. It It is a heavy infestation. Of belts and zippers. Oh no. Ooh, I'm listening. As of five, he started doing artwork for the monster designs of these stories and not games. And now, as of seven, he is our main character artist. And this road, unfortunately, leads to Kingdom Hearts. What? Where they decided to give him the keys to the kingdom. But that's a story for another day. I I thought this was the last story. This is the story of the Captain Planet kids teaming up with a real cat, a fake cat, and a Frankenstein to stop Exxon Mobil from putting aliens in boys' muscles. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what's written on the box? That's what it says on the back. When you pick up the game, like real cat, fake cat, cat, Frankenstein, punch Exxon Mobil, no muscle ghosts. Best book jacket ever. Welcome to the planet Gaia. It sucks here. Everything is dying. And the cause of that is the company known as Shinra Electric Company, which is housed in the city of Midgar, which is where our hero, Cloud Strife, hops off of a train. Cloud Strife. Cloud Strife. Cloud is traveling with the eco-terrorist group Avalanche, who are forcing their way into a nuclear reactor, except in this world... Uh, The energy is called Mako energy. Mako energy? Mako. M-A-K-O. Is it a kind of sushi? Um, Is it? I want to eat it. It sounds delicious. Would you consider sushi to be the planet's blood? Yes. Then yes. Absolutely. Delicious. Have you ever had Toro? (laughs) I don't know what that means. Ooh, it's fatty fat tuna. I I know what it is, but I... What I mean is, I don't know what you mean with that intonation when my question was, is it blood? I mean, it's my blood. (laughs) 
my blood runs like quicksilver. If you put your head to his chest, you hear the screaming of a lot of fish. <laughs> Trying to get out. Yeah. That is actually just my internal organs dying from mercury poisoning. Trying to return to the sea. Yeah. Uh, you can measure the temperature by his blood pressure. <laughs> you just ask Eric and he inherently knows. Sometimes that's true. <laughs> and now I blame the fish. Hey, I've, I'd lost, I dropped that name like five names ago. These terrorists are breaking into this reactor. It is one of eight in the city of Midgar, all owned and operated by Shinra Electric Company, which is Midgar's largest conglomerate. There's eight nuclear power, like nuclear equivalent power stations for one city? In the city, yeah. That's a big damn city. This city, I'll just tell you now, is shaped like a pizza, on mm. like stacked on top of another pizza. It is cut into slices, and we'll get into that a little later. You know, I have actually seen pizza on top of pizza before, mm -hmm. and it looks like heaven. <laughs> well, Final Fantasy VII would have you know that it is in fact hell. Hmm. Is it too many pizza? It's too many pizza, in fact. It's a pizza stomachache that tells you that you're done eating pizza. That is hell. What right. And ExxonMobil a... keeps shoving more pizza in your mouth. I'm okay with this. <laughs> this sounds like heaven. I, I just, like, I don't, I can't connect pizza and stomachache. Uh, Shinra is using this power that they are uh, fracking out of the planet in these reactors to produce not only power for cities around the world, but uh, they can create gems called materia, which allow folks to perform various magical abilities as long as they are wielding in them. So that seems pretty neat. I mean, yeah. I, I really wish X... You know, that brings <laughs> up a good point. Uh-huh. If we're going to be pumping this uh, world for all of its delicious uh, blood, I mean, the, the world we're currently in, um, where are my magic powers? Now, we could learn a thing or two from Shinra. Comic books and uh, fantasy tales, you know, apparently the last of them, and uh, <laughs> video games have all taught me that if I just roll around in whatever we can pull out of this earth, I'll become a superhero. <laughs> why, why has that not been delivered to me yet? It's only a matter of time, Picardo. I sure hope so. Cloud is a mercenary for hire, and he is on this job at the behest of the group's leader, Barrett, a man with a machine gun for an arm. Appropriately named. Man, it must suck to butter bread in his house. Avalanche has only three other members, and they are Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge. Oh, I'm so glad Biggs and Wedge came back. <laughs> they got alive again. Are oh, they that's... the same ones? Nope. Why? They're here to blow up the Sector 1 reactor because it's Barrett's belief that fracking the planet for its Mako energy, or Mako, sorry, is causing serious, irreversible damage to it. I mean, at least earthquakes. Barrett wanted Cloud along for this job because Cloud is formerly a soldier first class. And soldier is all capitalized, but doesn't stand for anything. It's just so you shout it. Right. Soldier, first class. <laughs> which is an elite fighting force that is employed by this electric company. So it's electric versus gas? Is this sort of like a... Uh... Also, the electric company owns the military. That sounds healthy and good. <laughs> also so, familiar. Are they also the government? Yes. In Midgar. Well... And most of the world. It's a weird place. I told you, Gaia kind of sucks. Anyway, I mean, the team splits up, or they the team sets up a bomb in the center of the reactor, and they escape just before it explodes after they fight a scorpion. 
I mean, I'm not a fan of scorpions, so good on them. Then they split up to meet at their designated headquarters. Cloud is walking on his own to get back to the base, and he bumps into a flower girl in the middle of the street. That's rude. He didn't mean to. He's just not very observant. I did see you, like, boot up this game. Mm-hmm. Story. Hey, yeah. The story has very weird biceps, so I can see it <laughs> bumping into people pretty easily. The biceps are out of control. The interesting thing about this flower girl is that flowers don't normally grow in Midgar because of all of the fracking. You know, yeah, that's probably a pretty good sign that the fracking's bad for the world. Midgar is almost entirely artificial, but dang it, everybody can do magic, so life is great. Ooh, man, that is a tough... Is that trade-off worth it? (laughs) These are the questions that Final Fantasy VII dares to ask. So does she have, like, paper flowers? No, they're real flowers. That's why she's uh, unique, let's say. Did she magic them? And Cloud does buy one, because they only cost one gill. That seems awful cheap for the only real thing in this world. <laughs> Didn't you say <clears throat> gill is equivalent to yen? I have no idea. I, I think it's safe to assume, but so don't take like, my word on it. Like less than a penny? Yeah, very cheap. So on the way back, we, the audience, get to learn about the layout of this city. And like I said, it is two pizzas stacked on top of each other. The upper and middle class live on the second tier of the city, which is built on plates that cover up the slums below them. I mean... So they just built a city above the poor people. If you have the opportunity to truly separate your peasant class, you always should. (laughs) Uh, Barrett muses about how kids who grow up in the slums grow up never seeing the sky. Well, that sucks. In their entire lives, which is kind of wild. All they get to see is metal. That's honestly probably one of the more depressing things I've heard in any of these tales. Avalanche's headquarters is set up in a basement in the 7th sector, which is a, uh, a basement of a bar called 7th Heaven, which is run by a woman named Tifa. And Tifa was childhood friends with Cloud, but he hasn't seen her since he moved to Midgar. She moved to the city shortly after he did and has been running this bar and doing missions with Avalanche ever since. And she's also very good at punching. Cool. I like the punching. Also kicks. Not bad at kicks. Hmm. Cloud also gets to meet Barrett's daughter, Marlene, whom Barrett dotes on. She is secretly some kind of ultra wizard, right? She runs the bar and is nine. That's bad parenting. Or she doesn't run the bar. Tifa does. But she does serve drinks when Tifa needs some help. That's still bad parenting. Barrett's doing his best. Anyway. Maybe it's all virgin drinks. Maybe there's no real alcohol here. There's nothing else real. It could very well be. Uh, Barrett wants Cloud to be a permanent member of Avalanche, but can't keep paying him at his exorbitant rate. So he asks Cloud to just do this for the sake of the damn planet. And Cloud doesn't really care about Shinra, Avalanche, or the planet. He just wants money. Okay. Tifa reminds Cloud about a promise that he made to her as kids, which is that he would come to her rescue if she ever needed help once he became a first-class soldier. Cloud doesn't remember this promise, but does agree to stay on for one more job at a discounted rate. (laughs) I don't, don't remember growing up with you or being your friend or anything, but... Sounds good to me. Yeah, sure, I'll give you a discount. You know we're doing a BOGO sale right now. (laughs) (laughs) On bombs. (laughs) Tifa joins them on their next mission to destroy the fifth sector reactor, 
And they go and set up the bomb and they prepare to leave, but they find themselves surrounded by Shinra guards and are confronted by President Shinra himself, who tells them that their strike on this reactor was not only anticipated, but manipulated to get them here at this time. Because he wants Avalanche to look bad in order to make Shinra look better. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty straightforward, like, corporate evil. He leaves a robot behind to kill the heroes, but they manage to defeat it. Man, don't ever outsource to robots. Pay, <laughs> pay real workers competitive wages, and you'll get your heroes <laughs> defeated in no time. Automation isn't good for everything. Corporations. See, there, there was a villain we heard of in a previous tale where... In this situation, he would have just poisoned the villagers and run away cackling. <laughs> or not villagers. Well, yeah, villagers too. Poison them yeah, all. Yeah, he, he actually got stuff done. He sure did. What was his name again? Kefka. Oh, right. Nightmare Clown. Uh, when the robot explodes, it knocks Cloud off of the reactor catwalk, and he falls to the slums below. He wakes up in a church, lying in a bed of flowers that miraculously broke his fall. And he is greeted by the same flower girl that he met earlier who introduces herself as Aerith. Now, those some serious flowers if they can stop you from falling really any any height. From the top of the city to the bottom, through a church roof. You sure it's not the church roof that sort of broke his fall? I mean, it definitely helped. <laughs> that was kind of step one. Uh, as they get to talking, Aerith admires all of Cloud's materia, and she shows him one of her own. Uh, which she says doesn't really do much, but it's important to her because it is a gift from her late mother. And Cloud begins to neg her, telling her she probably just doesn't know how to use it. And and these material are what, magical marbles? Magical marbles. Hmm. A man in a black suit saunters into the church, uh, doesn't approach them though, just kind of stands shadily in the entrance. That's eight times creepier. <laughs> it sounds like my old director. Other than these two, it is just this man now in the entrance of this church. Cool. Uh, Aerith asks to hire Cloud as a bodyguard to get her home safely because the slums can get dangerous around this time. It's appropriately timed. I imagine Creepo is going to do some creep shit. She doesn't have cash, but she offers to go on a date with Cloud as payment. I, I mean, work with what you got, I suppose. <laughs> uh, he accepts. And they begin to leave the church until he recognizes the man in the entryway as a member of the Turks, which are the hired hitmen and general dirty workers for Shinra. Did you say the Turks? Turks. Like T-U-R-K? The Turks? Yep. Um, are I these mean, actual Turkish folk? No. Okay. They're just people in suits. I mean, I've, I've had some unfortunate interactions in, in Turkey, but I don't know if I'd call them villains. That's a little rough. <laughs> Uh, the man introduces himself as Reno, and he says that he's after this girl, who he keeps referring to as the Ancient, meaning Aerith, when I say this girl. It's, you know, uh, it's a bait and switch. It's going to be the nine-year-old. That's <laughs> that's what we've gotten so far, and I can't imagine they changed up their formula too much. Cloud and Aerith escape the church, and they go back to her house, and Cloud asks for directions to get back to Sector 7, and Aerith offers to just take him there, but not until morning because it's gotten pretty late. So the next day, on their way to Sector 7, they take a break to have their date at this deserted and desiccated playground where no children play anymore. Hey, you want to go on a date to the nuclear waste dump? Swings are open. <laughs> Romantic. Aerith asks Cloud all about his time in Soldier. 
Aerith's first boyfriend had uh, apparently also joined Soldier and made it to first class as well. So Cloud asks his name, since he probably knew him, but she doesn't uh, share it, saying that it really doesn't matter anymore. And she kind of clams up about it. Kind of dark. They suddenly spot a carriage that is being drawn by Chocobo heading to Wall Market, which is the seediest spot in all of Midgar. That absolutely tracks. It is the red light district. It's, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would be stumbling into a, a, a Wally world for, uh, <laughs> for my fun times, my, my CDCD fun times. I mean, I, I don't know, perhaps, uh, perhaps there's some shady looking fellow in the parking lot with, uh, with a beat up old Camry and hat real low and, I don't know, bag of magic tricks. Okay, maybe. Okay, I can see it. <laughs> I'm along. They see Tifa riding on this carriage, and she's all dolled up, so they follow it to see where she's going. And they learn that she has been taken to the brothel of the local crime boss, Don Corneo. Corneo? <laughs> what a corny name. Uh, she is to be interviewed as a prospective bride. Cloud can't get into uh, Corneo's mansion, because it only admits guards and women. That's a good mansion. So Aerith offers to help give Cloud a makeover so that he can sneak in. So, well, this is the first time we've got a cross-dressing hero, huh? Yes, Cloud cross-dresses to get into the mansion, where he and Aerith also joined the bride interviews. Yeah, you know, I imagine it's probably more comfortable than whatever soldier gear he was wearing. He does have, like, very large bolts on his shoulder. I'm not sure of their purpose. Yeah, a dress is probably more comfortable than that. And pigtails. Apparently, Don Corneo takes a new bride nightly, and if the hypothetical video game player is lucky enough and they collect all of the necessary garments to create the perfect disguise, he'll pick Cloud. As his, as his bride? Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, that's one way to... S- I, I don't know if lucky's the word for that. Has he heard of Tinder? Because, <laughs> like, going through the whole marriage process every night sounds mm-hmm. exhausting it's a lot it's very extra that is a good way to describe don corneo cloud like keeps corneo do it right yes uh <laughs> cloud keeps the lecherous crime boss at bay until tifa and Aerith burst into the room to join him and they interview corneo for any info that he has on shinra which was Tifa's reason for coming in the first place. And he's bummed because it looked like it was about to be an orgy and instead it looked like it was, was going to get way hot. <laughs> but instead, he gets threatened to get his dick chopped off. And you know, Cloud has a very that, big sword. Is that f- for real in game? For That's this, for real, for real. For this game story for children? Canon. Mm-hmm. It well, is. It's not, f- it's it's not a, for it's children, it's for everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, children are included in an everyone situation. <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, I gotta say, it's not really my kick, but, uh, I mean, he might still be winning out in this one. I think, if I'm remembering right, Aerith threatens to tear it off, because each person has a different threat for this man's dick. Well. Corneo was hired by Shinra to get information on Avalanche, conveniently, uh, and he tells them that he already ascertained the location of their base and passed that along. So now Shinra is planning to bomb the pillar that is holding up Sector 7 above the slums, which would let the plate fall onto the slums, killing both the rich people and the poor people in Sector 7, which is where their base is. And then he's going to blame it all on Avalanche. They're going to kill the rich people too? Everybody. Well, that's... 
All of Sector 7. Can't kill the rich. Meanwhile, at Shinra headquarters, we are introduced to Reeve Tuesti, who is the head of the Urban Development Department, who pleads with the president not to murder all of these citizens just to get to Avalanche. I uh, Avalanche is what four people right about now? yeah four well, or no five it's people? five it's five people six if you want to count the the drink slinging nine-year-old it's i do <laughs> i absolutely do I, I that's a lot of people too I, I assume it's more than five people that they're killing to kill the extra five people oh for sure hmm. perhaps not the best uh, there's sort of like a a risk reward balance here and this is all risk no reward Reeve is called a coward, and the president tells him to take a nice long vacation, effective immediately. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been trying on this whole, like, nobility mindset of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of a modest proposal, eat the babies kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I'm starting to feel kind of scummy with this. These guys suck. <laughs> it's like, I can only hold this you for just, so long. You want to make that clear. Yeah. <clears throat> the heroes rush, rush back to Sector 7 to try and stop the bombing. And they find Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse trying their best to stop the Turks from setting up the explosives. Again, I feel like perhaps maybe calling the villains the Turks is just not, uh, not cool. Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse all get killed, and now Barrett is left on his own at the top of the pillar fighting. Wait, hold on. Why do we always have to kill off the Biggs and the Wedgie? Big Wedgie deserves space in this world they'll they'll be back in the next uh iteration of existence i'm sure if they ever make another one oh they're they're timeless beings whether or not the tale gets written biggs and wedge have survived they're they're much (laughs) like uh you know like a greek deity stab them a couple times and they'll you know be put down momentarily but eventually they're gonna get the uh i don't know some kind of magic clone thing i guess i'm not really uh too sure how does how does godhood work Ideas may be bulletproof, but Wedge is not. Mm. Cloud and Tifa send Aerith to the bar so she can evacuate Marlene in case the worst comes to pass. Uh, and the two of them regroup with Barrett, but they aren't in time to stop the bomb, unfortunately. So, so they sent the flower girl to run an evacuation mission instead of Ultra Soldier? Yes. Who's planning these missions? Before the bomb explodes, the leader of the Turks, a man named Song... <laughs> comes to gloat to the heroes in a helicopter. And he also reveals that he managed to kidnap Aerith somewhere along the way between them sending her to the bar and moments later. It's immediately off screen. But he does have a helicopter, so I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. He again refers to Aerith as the last ancient this time. Our heroes escape from the explosion, but nobody else in Sector 7 makes it out alive. What about what about the child? She was safely evacuated to Aerith's house. Also, I don't know how that time frame worked out. Don't worry about it. The heroes sneak into the <laughs> vents of Shinra headquarters, and they overhear a board meeting where the president makes it very clear that he is not going to rebuild Sector 7 and is instead allocating the relief funds to restarting his pet project, Neo Midgar. Is it like Neopets? This is Neopets project. If you shake it, will it grow faster? He says now that they have the ancient, they can find the promised land. So we've got a corporate oligarchy with a cult Mm -hmm. wrapped in. Wasn't 
didn't that happen a couple years back? Wasn't there a president of some some country that was ousted for being in like a shadow cult? That's a thing that happened. How many aliens did he have in his building? And how many aliens was he putting into kid muscles? <laughs> I forgot that that was part of this. Go on. We're getting to it. <laughs> <clears throat> the meeting is interrupted by Shinra's top scientist, Dr. Hojo. It's <laughs> a good name. Yeah. He complains about Aerith's quality as a specimen, telling the board of directors that he plans to breed her and hope for a better outcome. Well, that is um, fucking rude and then very fucking gross. Yeah. That's the grossest thing that's ever happened in any of these. <laughs> it's the that sentence you, right there. Yeah. The, the fact that you use the word breed her, that's uh, is that, that's going to be a big no for me. Is that a Tyler editorializing or is that what the scientist man says? The scientist is very detached and clinical, let's say. Sure, yeah. The, <laughs> the heroes sneak into Dr. Hojo's lab where they find a bright orange jungle cat with tattoos and a feather headdress. Uh, I'm cool me, with who this. Who is this? Who is this, this new hero of mine? This Best cat friend? is being prepared for an experiment. And in the same room, they also find a sealed chamber that is labeled Genova. I've got to ask, just because it's it's just laying on the table here, and I'm looking uh -huh. at it, and I don't want to ask. It's a different experiment than the whole ancient breeding thing, right? Looking inside the chamber, Cloud can see what appears to be a mutilated headless corpse of a woman with mm. eyes where her nipples should be. What? This took a turn. This, this sight gives Cloud a splitting headache. Is that, should. is that a splitting headache and not like... Stomach ache. He begins to murmur about Sephiroth and Genova. Did he take ayahuasca off screen? <laughs> Did the boob eyes laser him a vision? In a sense. Uh, the heroes try to intervene in Hojo's experiment, which is to breed these two endangered species together, despite one of them being a jungle cat and the other being a human goddamn woman. Okay. Yeah, that's not how you fix endangered species. <laughs> you can't be like, hmm, uh, well, let's take this Bengal tiger and we're going to breed it with this rare South American tree frog and we're going <laughs> to save the species. How, you have seen Watchmen, right? This is how you make a displacer beast. <laughs> uh, the cat appears ready to pounce on Aerith inside of the, uh, the tank that they are both in. That's bad phrasing. So Barrett opens fire on the tank, which causes it to overload with energy and light, forcing Hojo to turn it off so that he can open it up and check on his two specimen. Also, don't just shoot every problem. <laughs> That's your kind of Barrett's there. solution. Your friend's in there. You can't shoot the problem. <laughs> when your gun is an arm, every problem looks like a shoot. I want to watch this man cook <laughs> with a gun arm. Guns get real hot, so I just assume it's just spraying bullets into the air for a while and then pressing it against raw meat. Yeah, I want to see the Food Network show where it's... <laughs> Cooking like, with Barrett? Yeah, or like a variety of Final Fantasy and or other uh, pop culture characters whose arms have been turned into tools. The cat lunges out and begins to tear at Hojo's throat. Uh, Hojo manages to escape with his life. And the cat turns and speaks to the heroes. But not his throat. Just the life. No. Well, most of his throat. This cat introduces himself as Red 13. 
which he says is a name that was given to him by Hojo. Well, I'd find a new name. That guy was a bastard. He <laughs> he offers to join the heroes, so they accept, because why not? He's a yes. talking fucking tiger, of course. Talking jungle cat, pretty neat. Yeah, I would do that immediately. Also, yeah. his tail's on fire like a Charmander. Who the, who, you don't, there's not an option. Like, you don't say no to that, that <laughs> yeah. creature. You're now best friends. If you get the opportunity, otherwise, I don't know what you're doing with your life. No, you, you are now servant to the ultra cat. That's well, what yeah. it is. I mean, that's, that's the case with all cat. I neglected to make this clear in my notes, but I do want to clarify that Aerith is fine. And that this was the cat's plan was to make it look like he was going to attack the lady, but then escape. Everybody's fine. So what we have here is that a a sentient jungle cat has more morals than a human scientist? Correct. Again, in this specific scenario, thank you scientists. Uh, I mean, all of our That's phrasing. <laughs> all of the heroes pile into an elevator where they accidentally get cornered by the Turks who just happen to also take the same elevator. So they are ca- uh, captured, and they are brought before President Shenra, who begins to monologue to them all about the ancients, who used to call themselves the Setra. I will say, every time you say President Shinra, what goes through my head is President Snakes. <laughs> President uh, Snakes. President Snakes. <laughs> this man is much worse than a pantsuit full of snakes. If you're not familiar with that, uh, check out the double clicks and listen to every song they've ever made. <laughs> That's your homework. So I've, I've played Bloodborne, and mm-hmm. I've learned that snake men are uniquely horrifying. <laughs> and you say this man is worse? He is worse. He intends to track down the mythical homeland of the ancients, which is the promised land. And he wants to build a new Midgar there where he can just frack the hell out of it. Because it is supposedly full of Mako energy. So when given the opportunity to find this mythical promised land, this origin, this home of ancient beings, presumably powerful ancient beings. Incredibly fertile with magical energies. His approach is instead just to get a couple extra bucks out of it. Yep, that's Shinra. That is one uninspired villain. (laughs) The heroes all get tossed into cells with very thin walls. Uh, and they can talk to each other through them. So they ask Aerith about the promised land, and she's not even sure if it's a real place. But she tells them that the Setra were very in tune with the planet and can even directly communicate with it. The what now? The Setra, the ancients, of which she is the last. Okay. The next day, Cloud wakes up to find that his cell is left mysteriously open. So he wanders into the hallway where he sees all of the guards have been murdered. And raised in a barn, apparently. (laughs) Uh, He frees his friends, and they all rush to the president's office, only to find that he has been murdered as well, and has been impaled upon the distinctively long katana wielded by the legendary hero Sephiroth. This uh, this one has a lot more horror vibes than the last ones. Certainly does. I'm digging it. there's, There's a lot of horror moments in this one, honestly. Uh, Sephiroth was the most famous first-class soldier and the reason that Cloud wanted to join up. He wanted to be just like him someday. But Sephiroth has been missing and thought dead for a long time, so Cloud wonders what the hell is going on. Uh, Vice President Rufus, who is Shinra's own son, 
arrives via helicopter to come and quickly claim the title of his late father. Did you say Vice President Rufus? Vice President Rufus. Is it Poppy? Can dogs vote? <laughs> is dog man. I know you have watched something where a dog is a president, so... I believe you're thinking of Dragon Ball Z. Probably. I don't know. They're all and the he's same a goddamn thing. king. Show some respect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rufus is here to tell the heroes that his father liked to rule the world through money, but he would rather do it through fear. So he has a lot of plans for some sweeping policy changes within the company. Now, now the last guy, he was a real <laughs> shitbag. Uh, we're really gonna crank those numbers up. Have you heard of <laughs> torture? Uh, Cloud and his friends steal some vehicles from Shinra's motor department so that they can escape from this building. Cloud rides a bitching cool guy motorcycle all on his own, and everybody else jams into a fucking clown car. All by and they all himself? escape the city. He rides a motorcycle all by himself. His mother is proud. Well, he also uses his sword on his motorcycle, which is very dangerous. His mother's mm-hmm. not quite so proud about that one. She yeah, taught him his mother safety. is worried. <laughs> Outside of Midgar, they stop in a village called Calm, but with a K. Uh, and Cloud tells everybody his connection to Sephiroth. He just It's hero worship, right? Basically, yeah. As a kid, he idolized him and was thrilled to eventually go on missions with him once he rose through the ranks of soldier. Soldier! He even considered him a friend at one point. They were buddies? They did fight together? Yeah, they were broskies. Hmm. That all changed one day, though, when they uh, were sent on a mission to check on a malfunctioning uh, Mako reactor in Nibelheim, which is Cloud's hometown. Nibelheim. The reactor in Nibelheim appeared to be spitting out monsters, and it ain't supposed to do that. If there's one thing I know about um, power plants, which is nothing... um, (laughs) I don't think they spawn nightmares. I feel like I feel like we'd know that by now. In Nibelheim, a young Tifa acts as the uh, acted as the two soldiers' guide to the reactor, which is at the peak of Mount Nibel. Cloud, Tifa, and Sephiroth take a commemorative photo before starting their expedition. This is important <laughs> for later. Wait, did you say Cloud, Tifa, and Sephiroth? Yes, the three of them take a photo together. It wait. Sephiroth's with the party now? This is a flashback. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. This is Cloud explaining his connection to Sephiroth. (laughs) Well, I really fell into that flashback. It's riveting. (laughs) Uh, They investigate the reactor, and they solve the issue with the machinery that is causing the malfunction. And they stumble on a room that is full of pods that all contain humanoid monsters in them. And Sephiroth explains that this is an experiment by Dr. Hojo that is intended to replace Soldier. All the members of Soldier are exposed to raw Mako energy in order to enhance their abilities. But Hojo has been exposing these people to so much raw energy that they are starting to fucking mutate in these pods. Yeah, Hojo should turn probably, into monsters. probably have his, you know, I, uh, medical license taken away. Any license. All Take of them. them all. Drivers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this guy needs to be vehicles. under house arrest post haste. <laughs> Liquor. <laughs> Every license. <laughs> he is not. Now, I would like to point out, we are taking away his liquor license when we are allowing a nine-year-old <laughs> to tend a bar. So, uh, Suddenly, Sephiroth is struck with the epiphany that perhaps he was created in the same way. Because 
he considers his own inhuman abilities and strength, and also his lack of a memory of a childhood. Huh. Which How never strange. bothered him until now. <laughs> I have no memories of eating strange things off the ground or breaking bones on a playground. See, hmm. I did none of those things. I I'm don't sure really you have ate some of... strange stuff off the ground. If you ain't done none of those things, you might be a Hojo monster. I mean, maybe, but you can't just tell me that I, like, I say I have no memory of having eaten strange things off the ground. You're like, yeah, you probably Monster! It's like... That's what, like, little kids do, though. They just put stuff in their mouth. Or if you were my sister, you collected ants in your pockets after having (laughs) taken them apart and ineffectually attempting to put them back together. Did you ever do that? No, and I have Monster! No, <laughs> no commentary on anyone who did. Perhaps seek assistance. Uh, after this day, Sephiroth secluded himself in an abandoned in an uh, in an abandoned Shinra-owned mansion that is in Nibelheim, where he began to pore over the books in the library. So he stumbles into a random mansion mm-hmm. and finds a library. Mm-hmm. And he locks is, the door. It, a, awesome. That's the right <laughs> life choice. Yeah, um, you live here now. So what you're about to tell me, and I'm taking wild swings at this one, is that he finds the like the secret of his existence in there, doesn't he? There's a book labeled Sephiroth. Right, basically. In the Sephiroth section of the um, of the library, according to the dewey decimal system (laughs) he just like looks that up i would like to point out that these heroes and you know other unfortunates in these various tales and and folk stories it's very very pratchett-esque with the like just a whole bunch of gods sitting above like a chessboard moving pieces (laughs) around except in this case the chessboard is two pizzas on top of each other (laughs) honestly better than a chessboard that's called 4D chess. Can we figure out a way to play pizza chess? I would love to. Cool. In this library, Sephiroth learned about a Shinra scientist named Dr. Gast, who found huh. an entity in a meteorite that he called Genova. Dr. Gast? Dr. Gast, with a T at the end. Yeah, oh. this is a different Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he thought that this entity, which had a humanoid form, was an ancient because he had never encountered an ancient before so he took this corpse body thing back to shinra and started the genova project which was shinra's plan to create artificial cetra in order to track down the promised land that's kind of a fun wild assumption to make it's like well i've never seen an ancient before i also have never seen this before it's like you find bones outside your house like uh-huh. bird bones or skunk bones or any number of small animal bones. And you say, God, this is God. I found God. <laughs> or like if you if you go to the grocery store and you've never seen a kumquat and you pick up a dragon fruit and you're like, well, I've never seen this and I've never seen a kumquat. This here is a kumquat. <laughs> I will say if you've never seen a kumquat, go try one. They're quite unique. Sephiroth was the strongest product of this research, and as a child, he was pumped full of cells from this organism. That seems bad. Man, science got super weird and unethical 
in oligarchy land. I mean, that's not even, like, an experiment, necessarily. That's just fucking around. Like, you don't have a theory you're trying to prove. You're just like, what happens if I put these cells in that thing? <laughs> we're we're going to stuff this child full of dead space lady and see what happens. Sephiroth found all of this information very disconcerting. Yeah, especially so. since it was written in a book and put in a library. So he set fire to the town of Nibelheim. He Reasonable. killed Cloud's mother and Tifa's father. Well. And then he returned to the reactor where he had found out that Genova's corpse was being hidden in a container. Did these things have anything to do with him being pumped full of alien like a Thanksgiving turkey? Don't help. It seems... Pro- probably doesn't help with the anger issues. Yeah, it definitely seems like a bit of an overreaction. It's, uh, it's I mean, like... it's not, not an overreaction so much as a misdirected reaction. Like, Village <laughs> didn't shove you full of alien. No. So Cloud rushed after Sephiroth for his revenge. He found him in the reactor, and they had a showdown. And that's the end of the story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sweet. Who won? He doesn't remember. Who doesn't? Cloud. He doesn't remember who won. Nope. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know who won. He doesn't know how he got out of the reactor. Well, then probably he won. Probably. It's safe to assume because he he is breathing and speaking. Not a corpse or on fire, so. Like seems seems to stack up in Cloud's corner. Would be super unfortunate if he had won or lost, depending on how you want to look at that, and had actually just spent his entire life since that moment on fire. Cloud is sure that he wasn't skilled enough to kill Sephiroth at that time. Look, and he is surprised that Sephiroth didn't kill him either. Look, sometimes it's not the skill. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's just buddies. You yeah. just get the jump. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes they make a miscalculation. Other times, it's the case that the uh, the greatest enemy of the most skilled swords- swordsman is the most amateur swordsman. <laughs> like, the least skilled one. You this can't read be- them. Yeah, you have no fucking clue what they're going to do, because they don't have any fucking clue what they're going to do. Uh, the- Tifa, who was also there... So I get through life. Also doesn't remember anything that happened that day. Is, is Carmen... Like, excuse me... Are are you just making threats to skilled swordsmen? Is that what is that what that <laughs> very like, subtle drop Come at me, is? bro. It's like I get through I, my well, entire problem... life with no idea. You mean... studied the blade. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> See, what I was saying is that I have I haven't studied the blade in any aspect of life, and so I've been defeating more powerful people by the dint of my uh, my complete lack of knowledge. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I might not be a, the most threatening person to a trained swordsman, though, because I've had some training, but it's all in how not to hit you with style, which is stage combat. Back in the present, the heroes decide to track down Sephiroth to figure out what's going on. And it's not so hard to pick up his trail because he leaves behind clues like a snake the size of a house impaled on a tree. A clue, says Sherlock Holmes, staring at this house-sized snake. (laughs) I want to watch that detective movie. (laughs) With the number of frickin' cop movies and TV shows out there, (laughs) why isn't there one where the clues are (laughs) house-sized and insane (laughs) every time? In the woods, the heroes are attacked by a ninja girl named Yuffie whose sole aim in life is to collect and steal awesome materia. I just realized something. You told me the story was over, and you're still talking about shit. 
the flashback was over. That was the prelude to the story. What? (laughs) They fend her off, and she decides to tag along with them, even though they didn't ask her to. The heroes arrive in Junon Harbor, which is has a similar setup to Midgar, with the affluent city being built atop the poorer city down below. So many pizzas. <laughs> Cloud disguises himself as a Shinra grunt, and he joins the parade that's commemorating the new president, Rufus. The dog. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm voting for President Rufus. While disguised, Cloud learns that Sephiroth has evidently crossed the ocean and Rufus plans to chase after him on a cruise ship. So our heroes all snag disguises and they stow away on the ship. Yeah, I mean, vacation and mission at the same time? That sounds super chill. Win-win. Is it an all-in-one package sort of thing? Like, do they have to pay for their food? Or is room service free? Well, they are stowaways, so they don't get shit. Hmm. They have to pretend to work there, and they're very bad at it. <laughs> well, one of them, if I am not mistaken, because I did immediately flush all prior knowledge when you said mm-hmm. the story was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them has a gun for an arm, and that makes it really hard to pretend you're doing things. Also, one of them is a jungle cat. Yeah, how's his disguise? He is standing on two legs and dancing around because he can't stand on two legs. Also, love- his tail's sticking out. I love him. He's my favorite. Go on. Uh, as the ship sails, the crew, the real crew, suddenly starts getting murdered. And the heroes track down the killer, which turns out to be uh, Sephiroth. Man, or so they think. Murder mystery cruises are so done. I don't know. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Sephiroth flies in the air, which is a thing he can do. And he drops something that attacks our heroes, which turns out to be one of Genova's arms that springs to life and transforms into a monster. You should be more careful with those. There aren't that many. No. Very limited number of limbs on your mommy. Yeah, you don't just your like... Your space mommy. Yeah, don't just chuck space mom limbs around. <laughs> they disembark and they head to North Coral, which is Barrett's hometown. It is formerly a coal mining town, but it now lays in ruin and, disres- uh, and disrepair. And the reason for that is uh, Shinra had planned to build a reactor there, and the town was more than willing to operate the reactor for them because coal was not a lucrative business, or not anymore anyway, as Mako Energy was starting to sweep over the world. Uh, Everybody in the town was on board except for Barrett's friend, Dine. Well, that's bad. Uh, They eventually convinced him to sign off on it, though. I guess he held some sway in this town. That part's not clear. Uh, But one day, when he and Barrett were out of town, there was an explosion at the reactor. Uh, So Shinra blamed terrorists and burned down the town to cover their asses. There are a lot of towns that are just getting burned down by people for other reasons. And I think maybe (laughs) don't live in a town in this world is the moral of the story. Don't exist in this world. Like, live in the city, live on a farm. In between that, don't, no go, don't do that. Well, it was it was pretty bad in the city too. They uh, live I mean, they on squished a farm. The pizza bits together. Live on a farm. Much people died. Barrett and Dine's families both yeah, died but... in this fire, except for Marlene, who Barrett took to live with him in Shin or in Bidgar. And that is his child. That's his yeah the the drink slinger. Mm. Drink slinging ten year old. Barrett now regrets his naivete. It's a mean Manhattan. And harbors a burning hatred for Shinra, as we know. I mean, yeah, that that tricks. So, so Shinra 
Bakri, like Bakri's terrorist, and burns a city down and mm-hmm. creates terrorists. Yes. I mean, that is kind of how that works, though, right? <laughs> like, you scream terrorist because you want something that someone has. Use that as an excuse to go get it. Then they get mad at you, and they decide, well, let's let's do the terrorist now. Now I hate them. <laughs> now I yeah. have a reason to terrorist. <laughs> now I don't like these people. Let's, uh, yeah. After Barrett tells his heavy backstory to everybody, they go to Gold Saucer, which is a casino and just all-around pleasure town. Uh, that's the appropriate response to, here's the super depressing story. It's, let's get plastered. Yeah, yeah let's go to <laughs> Vegas. While playing arcade games, Cloud meets an animatronic cat that is riding an animatronic Moogle, and the cat calls itself Ketshi, as in the Celtic cat demon thing. I'm and it, familiar. Uh, yeah. It claims to be a fortune-telling robot. Cool. Cloud asks oh, if he knows Celtic where... Celtic cat demon? Uh, it uh, is spelled C-A-I-T. Okay. Yeah, S-I-T-H. Okay, uh, or S-I-D-H-E, which is a spelling yeah. I'm more familiar with. Cloud asks this fortune-telling robot if it knows where Sephiroth is, and it tells him uh, that what you pursue will be yours, but you will lose something dear. The robot is intrigued by this fortune and invites itself along to join the heroes, even though they didn't ask it to. <laughs> I like this robot. <laughs> While they're enjoying the casino... Cloud meets its proprietor as a giant man in a speedo named Dio. <laughs> it was he, me all along. Dio he walks around shirtless, pantless, just in a speedo, flexing yeah. his muscles in his fucking casino, which is like I get it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, he says that Cloud reminds him of a man he saw recently who was wearing a black cape with a number one tattooed on his hand, who was asking Dio about something called black materia. Yeah, you remind uh, me of this fucking weirdo I just met. Let me tell you all about him. It might be important <laughs> to some epic adventure you're on. Suddenly, uh, a bunch of guards get murdered at the park. All gunned. They're just all gunned just down. Suddenly, yeah. Just, just a bunch of guards chilling, having a nice picnic in the park, and then boom, <laughs> most nefarious murder. Cloud and his friends are charged as the culprits because eyewitnesses claimed that it was committed by a man with a machine gun for an arm. Well, Which is kind of incriminating. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty narrow uh, subset of human race there. They haven't seen Barrett for a while, and they're kind of confused. Uh, and they all get tossed to the bottom of the saucer, which is a desert prison surrounded by quicksand. Wait. So I don't up. know if you're sensing a theme yet, but the rich people seem to just keep building up above their problems. Yeah, that also sounds right. Yeah. So we got this whole, like, sea levels rising thing. Is that something we can do? (laughs) Also, this kind of, like, contributes to that quicksand fear that kids have. Right. It certainly did me. Because quicksand is definitely presented as a very large problem for a period (laughs) of your life. In fiction. (laughs) Yes. It just seems to be, it's just kind of a weird thing to have fixated on. Uh Uh-huh. It's just a shitload of quicksand. (laughs) Especially like, since it's not a thing. Sinkholes. That's something to be afraid of. 
undertow. That's something to be very afraid of. Oh, yeah. The ocean will drown you with, like, actively drown you. So people currently making media intended to terrify children, uh, at least to scare them for normal things. Don't like, don't make them worry about quicksand all the time. Barrett is down in the prison waiting for them, and he claims that he is not the only one with a machine gun grafted to his arm. I mean, fuck yeah. There's more to his backstory. When his town was destroyed, he and his friend Dine came back to find the wreckage, and they got chased by Shinra cleanup crew, who were instructed to leave no survivors, so that this terrorist narrative wouldn't be ruined. Uh, they were being chased, and Dine lost his footing on a cliff, and uh, Barrett reached out to save him. Uh, and while they were both hanging over the side of this cliff, the Shinra guards shot both of their arms off, causing Dine to fall, presumably to his death. That's pretty fucking savage. So Barrett grafted a machine gun to his arm after that day and said, fuck a Shinra. Metal as all hell. I think we can all agree to that. Uh, apparently, Dine is alive and is the true culprit behind the machine gun murders in the casino. And Barrett has come down to this prison to confront him. We learn that Dine is also the biological father of Marlene, who Barrett adopted when he thought that his friend and also family had died. So he's Uncle Barrett. He's Uncle Barrett, technically. That still doesn't give him an excuse for letting a nine-year-old serve drinks in a bar. But, <laughs> but we'll move on. Dine is unwell, I'll, I will say. Uh, and when he learns that his daughter is alive, he wants to go see her so that he can return her to her mother. Who is dead? Who is dead. He, When you say unwell, you don't mean like he's got the common cold. You mean he's knucking futs, huh? A bit. Hmm. Uh, so Barrett fights him off, and Dine loses. And he tells Barrett to take good care of Marlene, and then throws himself off a cliff. Well... Meanwhile, Cloud's doing chocobo races. <laughs> That's the only way out of the prison is to win a chocobo race. He wins, but also Dio learns that he wrongly imprisoned them in the first place, so he gives them a full pardon. And he also gives them the keys to a special dune buggy that can traverse quicksand. So, I mean, just acknowledging that he was wrong, sure. I mean, but like, he didn't really have like a pardon to give you know what i mean it's just like it's like oh shit i locked up just a fucking person uh yeah no you can go um i'm sorry here's the dune buggy they take the dune buggy and it breaks down in front of a town called cosmo canyon which is red 13's hometown and red 13 i is a magical jungle cat mm -hmm. now you say he has a hometown mm-hmm are there more magical jungle cats about to happen? Uh, hold on to that thought, I guess. Red 13 introduces them to the man that he considers his grandfather, who is a scholar named Bugenhagen. Nice. Bugenhagen. Oh, that might be my new name. I like that one. <laughs> uh, Bugenhagen tells the heroes that Red 13's real name is Nanaki. That's a much not, better name. It's mm -hmm. not. Bugenhagen all the fucking way. I mean, it's Nanaki is a much better name than Red 13. So I'll be Nanaki and you can be Bugenhagen. <laughs> uh, okay. well, while here, Nanaki is remembering his race of warrior jungle cats. Yes, uh, I want this to be real. <laughs> and his pride and joy was his mother, who was the bravest of the jungle cats. Yes. And Nanaki hates his father 
who he considers a coward because the father ran out on the family and was never seen again. Fuck that cat. Also pretty common among cats. <laughs> <laughs> that are like eating their young. Um, mm. the, the dad cats aren't the best ones to have around. Probably probably did you a solid there, Nanaki. Bugenhagen brings the heroes <laughs> to his observatory where he explains the planet's cosmology to them. Uh, Gaia operates on a cyclical system of reincarnation wherein every living creature's soul literally returns to the planet as a source of energy called the life stream is Bugenhagen a jungle cat no he's a man he he floats he's a man the life stream is a river of souls that all life springs from that's the qualification of a man it's like (laughs) yeah you get a pinch of lime and a a little bit of salt yeah touch of iron can float these are the things that make a man (laughs) shinra has been uh extracting these souls in this life stream as uh as mako that's what mako is it's literally spirits oh that's not good which removes them from the reincarnation cycle and causes them to be unable to return to it because uh as artificial materia they cannot become spirits again that's a bummer. So, so you're trapping the souls of the dead into marbles for Magic marbles. lightning bolts. This is slowly killing the planet because it's draining the blood out of the planet. And there's no renewable source for it. This seems on the nose. Uh, he also hears Nanaki trash-talking his father a bunch. So he brings him to see his father, who is a petrified statue now. Well, I mean, when you're scared, you're scared. <laughs> Apparently, his father, a cat named Seto, uh, chased off some dangerous spirits and their shaman, uh, but was poisoned by their arrows and left petrified there. So he didn't actually abandon the family. He was protecting them and then was petrified for it. You know, I bet uh, Red 13 feels like a real dick now. He does feel like a dick, but he also takes great pride in the bravery of both of his parents, and he his efforts are rebolstered for it. He he, he finishes a rant about his dad being a uh, coward, and then deadbeat cat dad. <laughs> and he, someone goes, "Oh no no no, your dad's a hero." He goes, "I well, love I my dad." <laughs> Quick heel turn there. My mom and dad are great. I'm gonna go fuck some people up. No sounds cat. <laughs> the Aristocat song. <laughs> so the disney sequel aristocats 2 the yeah. hero's buggy gets fixed and they head to the next stop which is nibelheim that Didn't city that just... burned down okay so they're going so the nibelheim that we talked about previously was in clouds mm-hmm. uh flashback mm-hmm. we're now there yeah except that it is perfectly intact and not burnt down as cloud remembers it maybe Cloud has had a few head injuries. The townspeople there don't remember Cloud, and he doesn't remember them. And also, there's strange figures in black cloaks that are just kind of puttering around, and they all have numbered tattoos on their hands. I mean, you gotta keep track somehow. The townspeople (laughs) all think that Cloud is crazy, and they claim that they've lived there all their lives, and it didn't burn down. So the heroes investigate that mansion with the library in it, and in the basement, they find a weird guy sleeping in a coffin. His name is Vincent Valentine. 
you say in the basement sleeping in a coffin named mm-hmm. Vincent Valentine. Mm-hmm. That's a good name. It's not important to the plot, but I do want to tell you that his father's name was Grimoire Valentine. That's I, a good name. Yeah, Grimoire <laughs> Valentine. That's that's my new fucking name. <laughs> names like that are why I shouldn't ever have kids. <laughs> no, names like that are why you should steal other people's children, rename them, and then give them back. Yes, catch and release. Uh, Vincent <laughs> was formerly a member of the Turks, and was in love with Sephiroth's biological birth mother, Lucrezia. Oh, shit. I know this story. Um, and then we had Kinkinatus, and then we had um, Augustus, and uh, Tiberius, and then it was Caligula, Claudius, Nero. <laughs> Vincent feels immense guilt for letting her take part in the Genova Project, and he joins the heroes even though they didn't ask him to. That I mean, seems to be a theme. These heroes don't want other people around, but they just keep getting tag-alongs also sometimes he's a frankenstein a, a frankenstein they encounter sephiroth in the basement uh, sometimes i you're gonna have to is he a scientist who makes things out of dead people or is he sometimes made out of dead people and also how is that a sometimes thing no he uses a gun sephiroth's in the library what? and he asks cloud <laughs> if he's going to the questions hey why was he sleeping in a coffin i'm sorry we <laughs> We gotta go back to this dude. Sephiroth asks Cloud if he's going to the reunion. And then he flies away. I mean, that's an uncomfortable thing to ask another person. It's like, That's a fun thing to do. Like, if you're in a car and you you see someone walking, drive by, you open the window. It's like, are you going to the reunion? And then just don't wait for an answer. Just drive away. (laughs) Just, Just fuck off on your merry way. I found what we're doing this weekend. The heroes chase him to Rocket Town which is so named for the derelict rocket that Shinra left to just rust in the center of the town after a failed space launch. I will say, if your repair skill is too low, you will set the bomb off, and you will turn that poor, overly happy woman into a ghoul. I do appreciate that the reaction to, whoops, though, this rocket didn't do so hot, is, well, littering's fine. (laughs) We'll just, just leave na- it on the launch pad. It's fine. And we'll just rename this town after the litter <laughs> <laughs> that I left. <laughs> All hail garbage town. Uh, and this town is adjacent to discarded gum town. In this town, the heroes find a biplane named the Tiny Bronco. I the, fucking love it. Is, does the plane talk? Is this a no. Thomas the Tank Engine situation? Does it just it has shotguns? its name. It just has its name written on it. I don't think it has guns. I think it's just a plane. Okay. It's a good name for a plane. Uh, they want to steal it so that they can fly after Sephiroth since he's flying around all the time. Uh, but they are stopped by a woman named Shira. What? She's a what? scientist. What? <laughs> She's a scientist. She's got glasses. Uh-huh. And she Fancy does, swords. Big she sword? does science. Does, is it, is science a term for a big sword? No. Uh, does she? It, does she, she have a weird board? relationship with one or other of the cats? Is this more of a princess bubblegum sort of thing? She lives with the captain <laughs> uh, of this plane, uh, a man <laughs> named Sid. There can't be like Shira can't be a name that is just like existing somewhere to be. <laughs> used for this again like the names of like 
old Greek folk. Well, it is. It's I... but Sid, uh, specifically Sid Highwind, all hail, is a curmudgeonly pilot, and he is inspecting the rocket. Because he is hoping that the new president of Shinra is uh, going to reinstate the space program. Because it's always been his dream to travel to space. And he was going to be the world's first astronaut in this rocket. But on the day of the launch, uh, Shiro was working with him on this launch. And she was getting concerning readouts from the oxygen tank. So she was running more tests before it launched. And unfortunately was still in the area where the rocket was going to heat up a bunch. Hmm. So Sid was given the choice between going to space or murdering this woman. And he chose to cancel the launch. And ever since, he has never gotten a second chance because Shinra immediately abandoned the space program because they discovered Mako Energy and started raking in money. Again, I'm just really happy to have Sid back on board. President Rufus comes to Rocket Town, not to reinstate the space program, but <laughs> oh, to steal fuck. Sid's plane. That is the best sentence I've ever heard. Please <laughs> say it again. President Rufus comes to Rocket Town, not to reinstate the space program, but to steal Sid's plane. Oh, yeah. It was just good the second time. Thank you. Because he Sid. also wants to chase Sephiroth, who has again crossed the ocean. The eternal Sid can never keep his locomotion machines. Sadly, no. Well, he exists the, to be stolen from. The first in the great uh, great line of golden heroes known as Sid uh, did strap a whole bunch of dynamite to himself <laughs> to self-sacrifice, exploded them all, and was fine. So perhaps bad luck, but immortal. So it balances. Sid begins to chew him out, saying that not only have they taken space away from him and also his airship, but now they want to take his little plane, too. Gotta get an airship in there. Can't be Final Fantasy without a fucking airship. Is that airship You'd... underground? Yeah, I don't knows? know why they need his plane if they already took his airship. Yeah, airship seems, especially for like a biplane, you can't fit that much in a biplane. Uh, the heroes hijack the plane before Shinra can, and Sid to... jumps aboard, too. Do they need a crop dust? So would... he <laughs> he joins the team. Just want to emphasize again, stealing an airship, very serious crime. Don't What do about it. a biplane? That's just good fun. <laughs> yeah. Biplanes are air lifeboats. Uh well, it gets shot down and crashes in the ocean, so now it's a boat. Death boat. You're it's not me... even a plane. It's a okay, boat. So there's a plane mm -hmm. and people put bullets through it. Mm hmm And now and it then floats. it hits the water and now with the bullet holes it floats. Yep. Along their journey, the heroes That's a picked good up fucking plane. The bullet holes make it lighter. The heroes picked up a MacGuffin called the Keystone, which is necessary for gaining access to one of the Cetra's hidden temples. That's silly to name it MacGuffin. That's a weird thing. It's called Keystone, which is even dumber. Keystone MacGuffin. <laughs> uh, Ketshi steals it and gives it to the Turks, revealing itself as a spy for Shinra that is being remote controlled by a, an employee of the company. Okay. It apologizes for double-crossing them and offers to triple-cross Shinra by bringing them to the temple. That's polite. <laughs> Sorry about that. I like you guys now. Now, when you say it's being controlled, are we talking like it's it's a robot and somebody, like there's just a human on the other end with a joystick and some fucking buttons going, <laughs> no, cool. It's it's cool, guys. I gotcha. We'll, and a uh, headset. Yeah. Uh, inside the temple, 
Aerith speaks with the planet through a pool of souls, uh, where she learns that Sephiroth's plan is to merge himself with the life stream in an attempt to become the planet. That's you probably the lot. most ambition we've seen. Kefka sucked gods. I'm going to be the planet. <laughs> I don't think he's thought that one through, though, because that sounds like a boring existence. They find Sephiroth in the inner sanctum, who explains that when the planet is harmed, it will gather spirit energy to that location to heal itself. And the deeper the wound, the more energy will be gathered. So he has so- come to this temple to learn the spell Meteor, so that he can cause a wound in the planet so large that it will summon all of its energy, and he can just merge with it and become a god. He's going to do a real so, bad. Every time you like take a shovel to the earth to like mm-hmm. plant a tree, it just sends spirits there. It's like, owie, yep. go spirit band-aid. More or less, yeah. yeah it's a weird place to live. Farming's got to be the strangest job on this planet. <laughs> Uh, as Sephiroth leaves, Cloud begins to freak out a little bit and starts laughing out of nowhere, uncontrollably. And he stammers about Black Materia and how he is finding his way. Cloud needs a doctor, probably. He probably. comes to and tries to act like nothing happened. Nah, Cloud, you the heroes have are been concerned. Under a lot, of, yeah, you've been under a lot of stress, and you maybe need to talk someone something out. <clears throat> uh, the heroes learn that the temple itself is the Black Materia, but in order to make it usable you have to shrink it down using a mechanism that is inside the temple, which would kill whoever stayed inside the temple. Uh, Who's going to heroically sacrifice themselves for this round? Ketchi does. He offers his fake robot body as sacrifice and atonement for his former trickery. So he shrinks the temple. It turns into black materia. He is crushed and then immediately rejoins the heroes in a new identical body. Great. (laughs) Sacrifice means absolutely nothing in this world. The heroes collect the black materia, but Sephiroth arrives once more and tells Cloud to wake up, which causes Cloud to have an out-of-body experience where he watches his own body just walk up to Sephiroth and hand him the black materia. Ah, so Hmm. he had a he had a sleeper code. And the the phrase is, wake up. (laughs) Well, that's that's poorly fucking hidden. Aerith goes off on her own, claiming to be the only one who can stop Sephiroth now, as she is the last true Cetra. Uh, she travels to the City of Ancients to pray for white materia that will counteract the black materia. Man, if that was his like sleeper phrase, it really sucked growing up with his mom. <laughs> Wake up! And then, then he's like, <laughs> no, hunt. Not don't be a Sephiroth. Sephiroth servant. No, no. <laughs> Just put on your pants. It's time to go to school. Sephiroth. <laughs> no. I I don't want your alarm clock. Put it down. <laughs> uh, the heroes follow her, uh, but as Cloud approaches her when they find her uh, praying in the center of the town, he finds himself out of his body again. And he watches as it lifts its blade to behead Aerith. But That's... Tifa and Barrett stop him just in time. Hmm. Uh, as Aerith looks up from her prayers, Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Sephiroth jumps down and kills Aerith. What? <laughs> the useless materia that her mother gave her turns out to have actually been the white materia all along. Who'd have thunk? It just got a little bit dirty. 
Uh, and it answers her prayers because it turns a pale green. Like a shiny Pokemon. So it's no longer a white materia? Then? No, now it's pale green materia. Is that better in some way? Yes, and we'll find out why later. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sephiroth mocks Cloud as he mourns Aerith's death, telling him that Aerith is just rejoining the life stream, and also a puppet like Cloud shouldn't be having feelings anyway. Well, that's and- kind of fucking harsh. And then he flies away again. <laughs> is he using some intr- like some sort of contraption to fly? No, he appears to just be floating like Bugenhagen. Bugenhagen. Again, very good name. <laughs> okay. So so Sephiroth just zips about like a fucking one man rocket. Okay. He likes uh, to they... deliver one liners and then F offs before anyone can give him a response. Then he giggles to them himself about them all night. <clears throat> the heroes chase Sephiroth again through a uh, snowy part of the world, and they stumble on a-, a cabin that just so happens to have recordings of Dr. Gast talking with Aerith's mother. And they watch these tapes where they learn that Genova is an interstellar virus that has existed on the planet for eons. Well, that seems uh, problematic. It, Vaccinate wait. your planets, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Why... Why is it woman-shaped? Uh, Genova, this virus, can assume the forms of the creatures on the planets that it invades. Uh, and it took the form of the Cetra in order to trick them. Are you telling me the Cetra natively have eyeballs where their nipples should be? No, that part's just Genova. Uh, that's, I feel like that's has a... Has that been confirmed? That's yeah. a bad way for a virus to do a trick. Yes. <laughs> Nipple like balls. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look just like you. I don't think those were always there. I think that started to happen when they started putting in Mako, like with the other mutations. Wait, so they they were filling the Genova corpse thing, which yeah. is a virus, which is still alive. Yeah, but is pretending to be a corpse mm-hmm. for the purpose of people to experiment on it by using its cells. It's alive, but it's being chopped up. But that isn't enough to kill it. Oh, that's wow! That's actually fucking gross. It's the thing, and and they and they're taking those bits and they're putting it in the the mako into boys' muscles. The <laughs> the planet can never fully heal while Genova exists on it, so it created living weapons that are literally called weapon. There nice. is a ruby, an emerald, a sapphire, a diamond, and an ultimate weapon, uh, and they were they're basically just big fuck off dragons that's cool yeah i wish that's what my immune system was like various kaiju basically cool uh they were created to combat Genova, but were never actually utilized because the cetra managed to fight her off and quarantine her in the crater that she originally landed in but now that Genova is active again it's only a matter of time before these weapons wake up yeah seems let them wake up uh, Cloud and the gang subsequently climb up and then snowboard down a mountain to for, arrive at the crater. For reasons? Yeah, it's fun. This is the impact point where Genova arrived eons ago, and the planet has yet to fully heal it. Uh, Rufus and Hojo arrive in the high wind, <laughs> which is Sid's airship. Uh, yeah, see, look, only fucking villains steal airships. <laughs> they have come to bear witness to the reunion. 
The heroes see droves of black-cloaked figures with tattooed hands shuffling to the crater, some just falling and dying along the way. Zombie-like. Okay, that's gross, but... The heroes are attacked once more by Sephiroth, but he morphs into another Genova body part. I think it's one of the arms. He morphs into a Genova body part? Yeah, it morphs again into a big old monster. This is where the heroes realize that they've never actually encountered Sephiroth and have just been fighting parts of Genova that have morphed themselves to look like Sephiroth. Oh, that's a gross, weird turnabout. Yeah, it's deeply unfortunate. They make their way into the crater, but they find themselves in an illusory Nibelheim, where we see the events of Cloud's backstory play out in front of them again, except instead of Cloud, there is a guy with big spiky black hair, uh, and Cloud is nowhere to be seen. Cloud is a blonde, for those who don't know. So, before we dig too deep into this one, if they've not been dealing with Sephiroth this entire time, where Mm -hmm. where is Sephiroth? That's what this story is about. This this part of the backstory. This oh. is wait. This is still backstory. No, we're flashing uh, back again. <laughs> I can't keep track of this. It's okay. Uh, another Sephiroth comes forward to tell the backstory. Uh, the cloud that they think they know isn't really cloud at all. It is a body that is calling itself cloud that technically died years ago and was rebuilt by Hojo using Genova and Mako energy. Well, don't mess with the Wimbus. In an attempt to clone Sephiroth. So they killed somebody and they're like, all right, we got to make another copy of this dude. To do that, we need to kill this dude and we're going to stuff him full of goop. Yeah, I uh, don't think they understand how cloning works, but then <laughs> they were also trying to breed a human woman with a a talking cat. Well, the interesting thing about the cloning is that Genova's cells have that morphing capability where it can assume different forms. So they've been experimenting with that to try and make more Sephiroths. I guess that tracks, yeah, with what you've explained so far. Cloud was never actually a first-class soldier, and the man in the picture with Tifa and Sephiroth, remember the picture from back in the day, that important picture that they took before the expedition? Yeah. There's a different man in it instead of Cloud. Didn't Cloud and Tifa grow up together? Mm Mm-hmm. The man in the picture is actually named Zack, which is surprisingly tame for this world. Is that the fellow with the spiky black hair? Mm Mm-hmm. And the big old sword that Cloud usually carries around. Okay. Is that the body that Cloud is currently in? No. Cloud realizes that he hasn't been pursuing Sephiroth this whole time, but has been subconsciously summoned to him because of the Genova cells that are in him and is being uh, mind-controlled, more or less. And in a mind-controlled stupor, he picks up the black materia, which they got back from killing that Genova thing earlier, uh, and he sticks it into a nearby crystal, which has Sephiroth's true body in it. Oh, okay. So so real Sephiroth is there. Oh. I'm still a little confused on the cloud, blonde, Mm -hmm. blonde boy. Yeah. Grew up with Tifa. Yep. But the cloud that's currently in the party, our protagonist, Mm -hmm. is a different cloud? Yes and no. There's more backstory yet, and we'll get to it. But if there's questions at the end, I'm happy to field them. Okay. Go on, please. Uh, When he pushes the black materia in, it causes the North Crater to erupt, and this awakens the planet's weapons. 
Good. Yeah. All right. That seems like the appropriate thing. Let let the fucking world deal with itself. The heroes get scattered and Cloud falls into the life stream. That's probably good for his wounds. Which is the planet core. Maybe not. <laughs> Tifa wakes up a week later where she and Barrett are Shinra captives. Barrett fills her in on the current state of affairs. Uh, Sephiroth has erected a barrier of light around North Crater. Rufus is trying to fight off these giant weapons that are running amok. And a meteor is now headed for the planet. Uh, those are those are all bad things to wake up to. Especially <laughs> yeah. if you've been asleep for a week, odds are you've probably had some serious head trauma. And you're probably waking up with one gnarly headache. Yeah, you want to ease back into consciousness, and that's not the way to do it. By the way, the apocalypse is happening. While Rufus is preoccupied shooting guns at Kaiju, uh, the heroes regroup, <laughs> except for Cloud, who's missing. And they steal the high wind. So now Sid is back in possession of his airship. I, I don't know if it's stealing so much as just recovering. Reclaim. Yeah. That's back to its rightful owner. They track down Cloud to the village of Medil, where he is now wheelchair-bound and completely out of it. Okay. The doctors have deemed his condition life stream poisoning due to how much direct exposure to Mako energy he has encountered. So there's a limit to how many souls you can eat? <laughs> Evidently. Hmm. And he should not have participated in soul hot dog eating contest. <laughs> Tifa stays behind to help care for him while the others go do side quests. That seems like the right time for that. We're nearing the end of the apocalypse time. Well, yeah. It's time for side quests. You gotta get your shit in order. Let's play some arcade games. Uh, I'm not going to cover them in full. I'm just going to give some important sort of highlights, bullet points about what happens here. Uh, Ketchi finally reveals that uh, its operator is uh, Reeve Tuesti, the urban development department head from Shinra. Just a a fucking like civil engineer kind of thing? Yeah, that guy who told the president not to bomb Sector 7 and then was told to go on vacation. Oh, okay, he, that's chill. <laughs> he is now operating a robot that's helping the team. It, again, it still seems weird to me that there's just a dude off screen that's got just like a fucking, like a, a street fighter, like fight pad controlling a damn robot. That is <laughs> what I'm picturing. Also, during these side quests, uh, they briefly have a submarine adventure uh, for reasons. And then Sid gets to go to space briefly. And oh. fulfill his dream. Hell yeah. Go Sid. Um, this this version of Sid gets, uh, at the very least, a happy ending there. <laughs> uh, in Medeal, one of the weapons attacks, and Cloud and Tifa fall back into the life stream again. Mm, well, that's, again, that's bad. He's already, uh, he's already, you know, soul sick. Uh, here, Tifa finds herself somehow inside Cloud's true memories, where she learns that Cloud was, in fact, in Nibelheim that day but was a masked infantryman who hid his face from her because he was ashamed that he had failed to make it into soldier like he'd promised. That seems okay. invasive of privacy. So he was a grunt and was ashamed of not achieving what he had set out to do and did not reveal his presence to his friends or family when he returned home. He was also returning home to burn down his hometown, right? No, this was them checking the reactor because it was spitting out monsters. Oh, okay. Uh, Zack, the first-class soldier, was actually the one who confronted Sephiroth in the reactor, uh, but was defeated. 
and Cloud also took a stand, picking up his sword, and did manage to knock Sephiroth out because of a sneak attack. Exactly like Carmen said. Yeah. <laughs> because you Sephiroth was not yeah. anticipating this nobody to come swing a sword at him. It's the most dangerous game. Hmm. Uh, also, during this flashback, we learned that Zack was that boyfriend that Aerith had mentioned way back in the beginning. Man, who even remembers that? Is she alive yep. or dead still? No, she's dead. All right. Wait, are you... So, hold on. The The picture was a picture of Tifa, Sephiroth, and and Cloud Zach. originally, right? Well, Zack. Yeah, yeah. Well, what the fuck does Tifa have to do with this? How is she Aerith. connected? Tifa or Aerith? Wait, wh- who's in the picture? Tifa. She lived in Nibelheim. So she, wh- was, she was a guide that took them to the reactor in the mountain. Okay, sorry. I missed that bit. Or my brain did. There's uh, a lot Aerith, of stuff happening. Aerith has been living in Midgar since she was a child, and that's where she met Zack, who was a soldier. And they had a relationship briefly. And then he disappeared. Yeah. And now we know why, because he was murdered by Sephiroth. Okay. Or so, he was well, it gets complicated. He's so, he's still kind of alive. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Was was he basically just ground up into like goop? and then injected into Cloud's veins. I can't believe that after the plot you just told us, you had the gall to say, well, it gets complicated. So Cloud and Zack's bodies were found by Dr. Hojo, who uh-huh. decided to do additional unethical science to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where Cloud got the Genova put in him, uh, mm-hmm. because previously, as just a grunt, he was not subjected to the Mako stimulants that regular soldiers were okay so now he's got jenova in him but he and zach are both deemed failures as clones for sephiroth for varying reasons and well because you can't like clone somebody with an already (laughs) existing adult person this guy does not understand science listen hojo is pushing the envelope hojo's pushing something but i don't know that it's science or envelopes or reality it's drugs it's a different it's an alternative reality yeah, Hojo's science is what Monster Hunter research is. They they broke out of where they were they were being held and are chased down by Shinra soldiers who do gun down Zack, but Zack protects Cloud enough for Cloud to get away. And because of all of this trauma and because of the fucking Mako poisoning his brain, Cloud begins to think of himself as Zack and just assumes his memories. That's not how memories work, but nope. it is kind of a noble, if incredibly traumatic transition. His plan was to live in Zack's honor, and then he started to take it a little too literally. Yeah. Live as him instead. Yeah, and just began to think that Zack's accomplishments were his own. So, we are back in present time again. Flashbacks are over. Okay. Cloud and Tifa make it out of the life stream, and all of their friends are there waiting for them. They need to go kick Sephiroth's ass because they learn from Bugenhagen that Aerith's white materia is a spell called Holy that can push back the meteor. However, it is it gets cast from within the planet itself for some reason. And Sephiroth is currently there physically holding it back so that his meteor can hit the planet. Hey, quick question. Yeah. Materia is made out of souls? Yeah. Um, whose soul is in this super powerful white materia? 
Probably some Cetra. Uh, there is one more weapon tromping around on the surface, and it is headed directly for Midgar, a la Godzilla. Uh, Rufus preps a Mako cannon that drains literally all of the remaining energy from the city to fire one enormous blast at this monster. I am totally on board with President Rufus, <laughs> except for the except for the airship theft. Like I said, sweeping policy changes. <laughs> giant big gun fucking cannon uh it does succeed in killing the monster and the blast travels across the world and hits the barrier that is over the crater that sephiroth is in that's convenient however the diamond weapon that was approached the city also fired a salvo of blast right before it died and one of them collides with the shinra headquarters where rufus was observing the operation and it kills him oh bye rufus well, let's take a moment to remember President Rufus briefly. And moving on. There's exactly a week left before the meteor hits the planet. You guys know how many days that is? Uh, 10? 17? So the heroes need to act fast. Cool. They battle their way to the bottom of the crater, where they manage to kill the recompleted form of Genova, thus ending her for good. Also, eyeball boobs. Uh, she kind of looks like Frankenstein's bride if she was a snail. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, also she floats and uh, has Kraken tentacles. Their last obstacle is Sephiroth. I'm popping up Photoshop now. I gotta (laughs) (laughs) Gotta Uh, illustrate that description. (laughs) Sephiroth transforms numerous times until he becomes his ultimate form, which is called Safer Sephiroth. It is a safer, safer Sephiroth. That's yeah. like for the children. Safer. I mean, it's safer Jimmy hyphen Sephiroth. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing it correctly. Jimmy Carter's uh, like initiatives on seatbelts, <laughs> but for Sephiroths. Yeah. And in this case, that means he becomes rather angelic, so angelic that he has two halos. Oh, does he? Okay. Does he only have one wing? I feel like I've seen images before uh he has a cloud where his hips should be and (laughs) he has six wings instead of legs and then a seventh red wing where his right arm uh used to be uh hold hold that um how is he able to to transform into a monster genova so even though genova fully formed there was still genova bits floating around in, in his muscles in his muscles and he used it to turn his legs into many wings. Mm-hmm. His, like, man bits into mm-hmm. a cloud. Yeah. And his right arm, which... Into another wing, but a different wing. Now, just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. did he did he lose the right arm originally to Zack when he went to chopping? Or Cloud when he went to chopping? Uh, now that you mention it, I don't remember how much of his body is actually in the crystal. Because I mean, it just, it seems like if you have the option and all these god powers, uh, trading out things like your fucking arm for something that is way less effective at murdering, like a wing. Yeah. It's not, it's not got the smarts. Uh, don't worry, he can still summon very big supernovas to hit the the heroes okay but it's it's fine they win also 
his theme song is called One Winged Angel, but that motherfucker has seven wings. <laughs> and yeah. I take issue with that. That is that's a big uh plot hole in this. <laughs> Uh, after they banish this form, the heroes begin to leave to let the planet do its thing and expel the meteor. Uh, but Cloud can still feel Sephiroth poking around in his head. So he does one last duel with Sephiroth uh, mentally. And he cuts him to ribbons using his strongest technique, the Omni Slash. So, wait, he's got a, a mental spirit battle thing going on? Mm-hmm. With a shirtless Sephiroth. It's very hot. <laughs> So in, but, but why male models? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he is finally freed from Sephiroth's grip on his mind, and Cloud and the heroes escape from the crater as Holy catches the meteor in the sky, and then the life stream itself begins to pour out of the planet to pierce the meteor and destroy it. 500 years later, Nanaki is seen running through a lush wilderness with his cubs. And he oh. takes them to look upon the ruins of Midgar, which is slowly being reclaimed by nature. The end. What? Okay. So I don't even have right. time to finish my artistic rendering. <laughs> we, uh, the real hero of this story is Sid Highwind, and he got his happy ending. And mm-hmm. honestly, we could have stopped there. Any questions? Yes. What propulsion system was he able to use to get his airship into space? Well, he used the same rocket. Oh. He actually got it off the ground, but then it fell back to Earth again. Or he used an escape pod to fall back to Earth. Well, I mean, eh, that's still cool. Um... So, throughout the story, there are multiple fake Sephiroths. Mm -hmm. Who are bits of Genova. Mm-hmm. Which is a sentient alien virus mm-hmm. whose bits have been used to pump boys into ultra soldiers mm-hmm. by an electric company by yeah <laughs> by Shinra EMC. Um, and again, the villains in this story don't seem as effective as Kefka. <laughs> D- did we hit a high point with that? I think we did. <laughs> because the- there are other villains that I like, certainly, but Kefka is, I think, the most effective at what he sets out to do. The most actually truly villainous. So that's the end of the story of Cloud Strife. Okay. Until he contracts a disease called Geostigma and runs a delivery service. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I have this on DVD if you would and like to see it. Then Vincent Valentine, the Frankenstein sometimes. You say uh, Frankenstein. I still don't know how you can Frankenstein sometimes. It's only sometimes. Sometimes he's a werewolf, and sometimes he's a demon, and sometimes he's a Frankenstein. And most of the time he's got a gun and a red cape and a bandana. And then he finds a secret Shinra headquarters underground that's full of other Sephiroth clones or some shit. I don't even fucking know. I illustrated what you described to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I'm going to have to find an actual picture because I think you're going to be upset with how close you are. If if this is anything like close, I am (laughs) deeply upset. Uh, Actually, hold that thought. Um, I've already got it. (laughs) (laughs) See, I gave a perfect description, didn't I? 
<laughs> yeah, I also found a picture. You're going to want to save that so that the folks listening can see this photo also. Do yeah. I want to save this? Yeah, I'm going to tweet it. Great. And uh, it? there is nipple eye or uh, eyeball nipple. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, so you were actually, <laughs> you had like the perfect combination of these two images. Awesome. <laughs> Do you want me to clean this up at all for Twitter? No, that's perfect. Okay. Have, have you been on Twitter? It's filthy. Great. I appreciate. I, I know I didn't mean like clean it up like censorship. I meant like make it a better sketch than the like minute. No, I took. love that its head is shaped like a dick. <laughs> that's what snail heads look like. I looked at reference. <laughs> All right, so any other questions for this one? Or do you feel like you perfectly understand Final Fantasy VII? Uh, yeah, um, I'm going to lie to you and say, yep, I got it. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I... come unti- I'll come untighten the ropes. Okay. Yeah, I think I actually, for the, for the first time along the way, I think I actually have sort of a mental image of the beginning, the bits in the middle, and <laughs> the end. Though the mm-hmm. end is, why? Okay, I do have a question. Why? Yeah. Why is there always some kind of nightmare god that they're killing at the end? That's some like Shin Megami Tensei stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because it's fun. It's just fun. <laughs> just let's. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that works. Well, I'll see y'all next week for Final Fantasy VIII. What? Excuse me. Hey, uh, I'd like to point this out. Carmen, when you asked him or when you challenged him at the beginning and said, is this really the last one? That's why there's an eighth one. You did this to us. <laughs> Freebug is growling at Adam Sandler's face on the TV. <laughs> she is deeply upset. She is Adam correct. Sandler. <laughs> she is also deeply uncomfortable with Zach Galifianakis. She's doing better with the Lost in Space alien, but is not... 100% sure about this. Uh, anyway, that's, I guess, going to do it to us, for us, to us. This was a <laughs> to us situation. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, I apologize for the sketch that is going to go up, apparently, on Twitter. Um, it is not my best work. It is among my fastest works. <laughs> um Thank you to all of our patrons for uh, keeping us entertained. Thank you to Freybug for protecting us from all the faces on the TV that she has just noticed. And, and it's not letting go. She does not want to watch Money Heist or any of Netflix's other offerings. Uh, thank you to our top tier patrons Maya, number one cursed boy Katarina, Spaghetto Captain of the Austin Authorized Bussy Blastin' Brigade Lovelace, Roe, Teresa, Kula Funky Little Strawberry, Izzy, Dave The Good China, now please Help, Rachel, I'm trapped in a podcast Cobus Cat, two lemurs having a little party Angela, Cole, who will catch Tyler and destroy Kevin, Caitlin, Riley Glutton of all the foods, Alex, Little Smorgasbord Danielle, Wyatt Soapy Faye, Kelty, Olwyn, Queen of Terrible Tastes, Allie, McGregor, Nathan, Nathan the Scott, Yahweh Yahweh, Link, April, DPRCM, The Day Dude, Pyrus, Hylistus of Wimbus, Grace, Ambassador of the Good Wimbus, Very Fast Incorporated, Jeremiah, WT Folklore Buddits, Haley, Hidden Jester, Dominic, Justin, Lily, Jenna, Jen, Heather, Hi, Meow Lady of the Cult of Cricket, thank you. 
Thank you. I hope that she was barking loud enough for you to hear it on all three microphones. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it had some volume there. Uh, she does not. Adam Sandler broke her. <laughs> As he eventually breaks us all. <laughs> through, through an endless gauntlet of Netflix originals. We're what the folklore featuring Freybug. <laughs> and that's how it works. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Dilly dally, shilly shally. <laughs> Dilly dally, shilly shally.